1116 SEN Afternoons with Andy Marr for Volvo's Summer Celebrations, Sweden's hottest sales event at Volvo Dealers Now and Anytime Fitness. Anytime is the right time to get healthy. Every Tuesday, Arvo, we're going to be doing this, talking the world game, football, soccer. You call it what you want. We know what we're talking about. We're all part of the broad family here that loves the great game with Carlos Alberto Diego, who joins us. Hello, mate. Hello there, Andy. And uh, I don't think I've had a chance to corner you in the corridors of SEN to just browbeat you with uh, with world football talk. Oh, well, I've always been ghosting out of here at a studio oh, no. in the morning. I, I never realised this many people worked here. Yeah, I think you're about the only one on the list. Yeah. Uh, and Gazy, you're just called Gazy on the way out. Oh, so, it's a joy, uh, mate. I've been listening <laughs> to you work for a long time, and I seriously have. And you and the Diagos do a fantastic job. And I think you've made, without, you know, pissing in your pocket, <laughs> I think you've made the game a whole lot more accessible for a whole lot of us, which is great. And one of the reasons that I'm absolutely looking to spending forward to spending time with you uh, to talk about the many and varied aspects of the game. And, and one of them, you, off the back of the conversation people are having about tennis right now and the corruption that's been identified and is now being spoken about, um, you know, your game, the yep. world game, has probably been, and I stand to be corrected on this as well, but probably been more exposed to it than just about any other, certainly major sport on mm. the planet. Look, I, I would think that, in every country, uh, Europe, South America, and we've just had a taste of it, as you said earlier, in Australia through the state leagues here. Every country is experienced it in some way. I mean, I obviously grew up from, uh, you know, the generations of Italians and so mm. forth. So we, every few years, you'd get some sort of, uh, you know, huge scandal around match fixing and and, uh, and the corruption in the mm. sport. And uh, I still remember back in the, what, 70s? I, I know the Italian supporters out there will correct me on this one, but AC Milan were relegated, for, you know, top team in City A, and they were relegated to City B overnight because they were caught... Uh, when was know, that in the 70s? 70s, yeah. 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 Right. And I remember AC Milan actually... Uh, toured Australia not long after that when they were just resurrecting themselves and uh, and you know we've of course so had the Calciopoli uh, with uh, Juventus not so long ago and there was probably other clubs involved with that but they just didn't get caught out so the Italian supporters out there will be saying that you know uh, some Inter, Inter fans uh, should have copped it too so uh, it, look, I just think it's, as, as we've seen with tennis now, I just think we're all starting to learn that it's not the actual sport. Mm. It's actually where the big money is. Yep, yep. And that's where, you know, the organised crime gets involved. And uh, and players are, you know, tempted and they are maybe uh, frequenting with the wrong people and suddenly they get uh, it gets put on them. And, uh, and you know, it's it probably very tempting at times, especially if you're not making much money. And, and if you get the right players, if you get, mm. like you think about it from a domestic perspective here with our Indigenous football, game Aussie rules it'd be you feel like it's it's marginally safer from this scourge because there's so many players and to affect the outcome of a game yeah. uh, if that's what you're betting on um, you probably need to get a few too many engaged and involved whereas with the world game um, you probably only need to get one or two key players, a goalkeeper, and we know that a few goalkeepers mm. have been involved in this in the yeah, I just think it's the advent of the spot betting. It's uh, it's yeah. that exotic bets that uh, Warren Diego keeps on telling me about because I understand nothing. But it's a, it's those moments in games where it doesn't really affect the outcome of the game, but it may be just that moment where people are betting, you know, who concedes the first goal or you know who scores the first goal or you know uh, just those those in-game bets that uh, that 
again, won't necessarily affect the outcome of the game, yep. but it may uh, be something that they all bet on these days. And uh, and again, you can do it with cricket. You know, we've seen it with cricket. Oh, of course, it, it, it's, yeah. it's a game, yeah. right? It is yeah. actually of all the, of all the games that we play out here, it's probably the game ripest for the picking. Mm. And you know, I've been doing the BBL for a couple of years now. And you speak to the integrity officers, and they are so red hot on it. And mm. there have been a couple of players identified in the last few years for activities that haven't been able to be proven, mm. but just on prima facie have looked yeah. not necessarily 100% right, and they have been conversations had yeah. about that, uh, and certain players haven't necessarily come back. So mm. it's, it is a game that knows that it is absolutely cherry ripe yeah. um, for that sort of activity. And I mentioned Europe and South America, but I can't forget Asia. I mean, uh, there's mm. stories, especially in the early days when we started doing radio, you know, back in the 90s. I mean, Vietnam. I mean, the amount of – it was rife in Vietnam. It was so open at times that the players wanted to lose games. It, it was blatant. Uh, Singapore, you know, uh, you know, where, where the hotbed of, uh, you know, our problem uh, came from, you know, had a few of the uh, probably instigators from Singapore, mm. China. I mean, the, uh, the Chinese leagues for many, many years uh, were, you know, I think there was, you know, uh, I can't give you a number, but there were a whole group, a cohort of players and coaches and um, administrators who were jailed in China, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago with the, you know, with the amount of corruption and, and match fixing in the sport there. Well, Carlos, the thing that we couldn't believe that, you know, we is in the blokes that I was talking to about... Um, the corruption in local football here. It happened over just over in Richmond, and mm. um, we couldn't believe that that there was that sort of activity was available to be had at games of such a low level. Like this is not A League, this is not elite level state league football that's getting played. This is Victorian mm. Soccer Federation, but but at a but at a significantly lower level and. Thinking, how can we fi- how can we even bet on these games? Well, it's really interesting because I first went over to Europe in the eighties, and I remember um, at the time there was no English football to do the soccer pools. Remember the old soccer yeah, pools? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they were actually doing the state leagues here in Melbourne. I mean, they were betting on the state leagues over in, in England. So I think what we don't realise is wherever there's a game, and this is what the big problem with the sport is, the lower it goes, the less uh, chance of being able to observe what could be going wrong because mm. there's 50 people at the game. No one will really know. People have good and bad games all the time. Uh, but almost the lower you go, the better chance you can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. at A-league level, if anyone puts a shocker in, and uh, and especially if it's so obvious, yep. um, you know, even though someone like a Brucey Gobbler, we probably didn't know for a long, long time what he was involved oh, with. Do you, you know what, though? I reckon we watch it all now with a fresher, mm. more um, uh, acute set of eyes now. I think, yeah. I think you know, we, we're all, as sports fans and people who love the particular sports that they're watching, if you see something that's particularly... Curious, mm. it's you, often the go-to thing is, oh, hang on, that yeah. didn't look right. Mm. Uh, and, the, and your players in your that. team, your teammates would be asking questions too. Mm. It's mm. not like you know uh, they just wave it off and say uh, that you know that was just an error or whatever. You know, teammates start you know in in the post mortem they start talking about you know how in the hell did he do that? And yeah. if it happens more than once. Uh, then you sort of start maybe questioning because that's now at the forefront of everyone's mind too. So uh, I, I just – what leads players to do this, especially in the Italian leagues? I mean, the, the Italian well, leagues – only one thing. It's well, all it's all yeah. about the money. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, even in the Italian leagues, I mean, I remember having chats with Mark Bresciano and oh, more, more Vinnie Grella, and he'd be intimating that there'd be some dodgy stuff going on in games. Yep. Players who would be having blinders all season and suddenly out of the blue just something so un 
character-like uh, happening where he'd be saying, that just wasn't right. And Vinny's pretty street-wise. Yeah. He'd be sort of saying, that just yeah. didn't sit, sit right. He, did, did you ever ask him whether he was the sort of bloke that would confront a teammate? Like, would he go up to someone at the end of a game and say, hey, because they're in the business of winning games and winning oh, championships. Yeah, look, I, I, I never had that conversation with him, but those people who know Vinny Grella, they're like, be ready for a puncher. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, if you're if yeah. you're not pulling your weight, if you look like you're, you're you know just uh, just taking a step back and not going 100, uh, percent he'd sort that out. You know, it doesn't matter what change room we'd be in, whether it's Socceroos or whether it'd be a, an Empoli trained change room yeah. or Palmer trained room or whatever. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. She's a blank and open canvas, mm. folks. Anything you want to talk to Carlos about? Read the great game. Feel free to do it. There's a bunch of stuff that he wants to talk about, and I want to talk to him about in particular. One thing I do know about you. And I remember having convers- hearing you have conversations with your colleagues. Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was back when you had them, started having them. But Amy Park, I think, is a fantastic facility. I love it. I think it was long overdue. I think it showed great respect for sports in this city that needed a purpose-built rectangular venue, rectangular venue stadium. I think it was great. And I, think, I love going to, there to watch a game of rugby, league, or football. From day one, you said this thing was not big enough. <laughs> yeah. it was, they were going to outgrow it. Melbourne victory was going to outgrow it. And here we are again, more stories in the Herald Sun today about the fact that they just can't fit in. Well, and it was, I wasn't in any sort of Carlos Alberto fantasy land when I was saying it. All the evidence, all the indicators at that time, in, even in year one, uh, the old Olympic Park, Melbourne victory when they were up and running uh, in a team that wasn't going all that well. They were packing out Olympic Park, 18,000 people. Mm. They moved to Etihad Stadium in year, year two, started playing some games there. Uh, I think in year two, they got 50,000 between Sydney FC and, and Melbourne victory. There wasn't a great game, but they got 50,000. Yep, yep. If they weren't indicators that this game was going to grow, and of course, you know, people will point to Central Coast Mariners, you know, they get 5,000 and Melbourne Vic, the city get, but it's going to grow. That's the point. And when they announced the, the, the stadium was going to be a 31,000 capacity or whatever it is, but then, you know, you, you, you subtract and subtract from that because corporates and then yep, you subtract yep. the, the non-viewing areas and suddenly you get to 27, right? Yep. Uh, that was never going to be big enough. Well, already Melbourne Victory have 27,000 members. And we, we see in the, in the Herald Sun today, Maddie Windley writes an article about uh, Victory, a little bit concerned that they're outgrowing the stadium, but... Uh, but talking in political terms in that, uh, that they won't move from the stadium and they won't play more games than Eddie had necessarily. People saying, oh, well, isn't that a fantastic model where you can pack out Amy Park, people pay top dollar for it, it's the hottest ticket in town, and, uh, and that, isn't that great? But what the point is, we're in the growth stage of this, of yeah, this yeah. competition. People are curious about the game. Where they get sold is they come to a Melbourne victory game and they sit in the stands with their kids and they watch what goes on in the game. Mm. It's almost like the big bash we're mm. talking about. That yep. celebration of the sport, and when it's done properly, it's an unbelievable experience. So we're saying, as happened on Friday night, we're saying hundreds of people. It's okay for them to go and be and not have access to the to the to the game, mm. and they turn their back and go home, and they're really not happy about it because we know we were on air on Friday night, and the first we're in a game where all the victory fans were, were so happy that the team was back in town, uh, the first five calls we get on Friday night were people really, really unhappy about the fact that they were turned away yep, at the yep. door. And not blaming Melbourne Victory, by the way, they have a, a salon-type uh, clause with their memberships, and if you're not turning up, they can you know, relinqu- relinquish their seats yep, to someone. Yep, so yep. they've got that, and they're trying to do that properly. But this stadium was always going to be too small. Always. I wonder whether it is costing the game, ultimately, long-term supporters. I mean, if that data can ever be 
um, validated, then you'll get something done. But I'm a bit, I'm a bit of the other camp at the moment, yep. which, which, and I, I hear your point of view clearly, and you make it well. But I like the idea that maybe for the in the short term, you have people desperate to get, you know, I yep. I want to get a ticket to this thing and I can't. How can I do this? And sort of, there's something, yep. there's something of a positive sell that you know, if you want to spin it the right way or a particular way yeah. you can sort of spin oh, that can, into a I can, positive I can see I can see the accountants out there yeah. and the people who are, work, are working in the commercial area of Melbourne Victory just rubbing their Love hands yeah. because yeah. they can put a premium yeah. on, on seats uh, when they get it right with the members you know selling their seats you know when they're not turning up selling the seats to the club again and, and getting half that money I think that's a great model I know that West Ham do it because I was over there once getting a, trying to get a ticket for in the, on the morning of a Liverpool West Ham game yep. and just you know, kidding myself, ringing up the ticket office there at West Ham. They said, yeah, we've got one because we've got this sort of membership sort of buyback type thing. Brilliant. And it was fantastic. It was that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's what Melbourne Victory are doing good on them, right? This is not their issue. Uh, but from day one, I just thought, what the hell? Uh, surely it had to be a 40,000-seater. We could still run that boutique-type uh, arrangement with 40,000 seats. Yeah. We're, gonna, we, we're, we're going to, in this growth phase, we're going to... Um, turn people off who have a lot of other options to do. We're going to get a quick break out of the way. Michael, Carlos, Richard, make sure you stick around. We'll get to you on the other side of this. Carlos, Alberto, Diego in the studio talking the world game. There's a whole lot. We're going to talk Louis Garcia. I want to talk to you about Melbourne City. I'm fascinated by something. There's a shift going on here in front of our very eyes. And I reckon you talk about Melbourne Victory executives being happy about some of the situation. I reckon there'll be people at Melbourne City saying we finally arrived here because of Something that I think is happening. I'll have a chat about that on the way through as well. Mick, Carlos, Richard, get to you after this. It's 28 minutes to three. Carlos Alberto Tiago in the studio talking the world game, lamenting the size of Amy Park, which he's been doing for about five years now. wonder if it's... Just before we get to the calls, that was the element of Matt Winley's story we didn't get to. We are just talking about it yeah. off air. That there is apparently some engineering and architectural provision here yep. to expand this stadium up to a 45 50,000 seat stadium. Well, it must be like, because uh, there's no way the government will, will pay that money to do that and, and clubs tipping in for it because that's going to be a huge expense with the bubbles, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's almost like the, the capacity of Etihad Stadium to bring in the seats. Remember, that, yeah, they, yeah. they had that capacity since day one. How long have <laughs> we had uh, Etihad, what, for 20 years, have oh, we? Something like that, yeah. yeah well, that... You know, the whole selling point was you could bring those seats in and make it rectangular. Mm. Well, we finally, when when he was going, people said, well, "Why don't you bring the seats in?" Oh, it's all too hard. We can't do it. This is, you know, the the technicality, of the whole thing. We can't do it. Or the you know the the, the, the mechanics Surfing of it. You could, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, there was all these reasons why you couldn't do it. Now, I don't, I don't, I can't see them doing much. Uh, you know, increasing the capacity, to Amy, with the bubbles. That would well, be a significant piece yeah, of work. Absolutely. To do that. Hey, Michael's in sunshine uh, and wants to join in at twenty-four minutes to three. G'day, Mick. Good afternoon, Andy, and good afternoon, Carlos. How are you, Michael? Far away, Michael. Just quickly, um, Carlos, with the connections you have, mate, come on, become my hero. Can you find out um, if you can actually get the um, FFV uh, for the Federation of Victoria to come on here sometimes on SCN and tell us what they do? They've got this growing sport, one of the biggest sports in the country now. Uh, nobody hears a thing about them. There's more chance of speaking with Miguelo than speaking to this uh, massive institution that actually run this massive game and the world game. Well, FFA, uh, FFA, Michael, or, or FFV? 
Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you, so you're wanting FFA to come on F- the FFV to FFV. Come on and explain to us how many juniors they have. Are they growing? What's what? Are they, what are their programs? What are they doing with the game? Who's involved in it? How? Who's running it? All that sort of stuff. You know, there's so much they've got to explain to the public, which they are saying nothing. It's like an underground operation, in my view. Oh, look, I, I just think there's a there's a limited time on on media outlets like ours to to cover football, and uh, and it, what what happens is you get these. You know, or, you know, you get the organisations like you know people from the FFV or FFA coming on, and suddenly the criticism they get is that they're just trying to sell the sport. You know, <laughs> so I mean, if you look at the numbers independently and objectively, there, Michael. I mean, you get the ABS figures. I mean, the figures are unbelievable at the moment. The one that really bowled me over in the last twelve months was the one where there's more girls playing, oh, and I love netball by the way. I love the people at Netball Australia. I, I know them personally, but there's more girls playing the sport of football in this country than playing netball. Unbelievable. That is just unbelievable. an unbelievable statistic, yeah. and, uh, and it, which for me is great because there's more girls playing sport, yep. uh, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a range and diverse sport we're talking and about. And you understand then why things like the W League and why mm. the AFL's you know, keenness to get involved with an AFL Women's League and the mm. WBBL, yet then you start to see why these things are so important in giving these young girls, because they're out yep. there playing and they want to aspire, give me something to look to. What, what If mm. I play this and I keep going, mm. where's it going to get me to? Yeah. Oh, I can play there. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be the FFA or the FFE coming into the media outlets and selling that because you, you see some of these athletes now. Let's forget about just football. I mean, netball athletes, what yeah, they did with the World good. Cup yep. and uh, the cricket athletes, you know, the BBL and uh, and we've got uh, you know, the tennis girls. All of these girls are fantastic athletes yep. and yep. wonderful role models. Yep. Uh, you you don't need anyone from the organisations to actually come out and sell that. It's a good conversation mm. to have because all these sports are fighting for the same athletes. Mm. They all want the elite talent to be playing their sport. And a girl like Elise Perry, who yeah. you know, yeah. great soccer player, great mm. footballer, great cricketer, probably chooses cricket or has chosen cricket. That's the the battle that yep. is being waged amongst the sporting organisations. Carlos in Thomastown has jumped on the line. G'day, mate. Oh, this is Carlos, the real Spanish Diego here, mate. Spoke <laughs> <laughs> you on Friday night on the way home from the game after Melbourne Victory won yep. um, that I had a Carlton supporter with me, Carlton Blue supporter, who absolutely loved it. So much so, he was still on a high on Sunday. He actually bought 10 tickets for the next game. And he's taking his two brothers and their mates who are all Carlton supporters to the game. That's great. He, he just couldn't believe uh, the atmosphere in that. Oh, good yeah, on and it's good not it, for me. It's I know that there's you talk about competition for for uh, resources, sponsorship, and and the actual just playing numbers. Uh, but for me, there's no competition. The more options people have in in you know this great town yep. to see. Just great sport. If you can go to the BBL, you can go to the tennis. I mean, right now you can go to the BBL, you can go to the tennis, you can go to watch Victory or yep. City play big games. Yep. I mean, really, what else do you want in Melbourne? <laughs> not I mean, much. Not, is there anything else going on in the world? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all here. Richard, thanks, Carlos. Richard in Caroline Springs. Hello, mate. Good afternoon, guys. How are you going? Good. So, um, look, just in response to what you're saying about the stadium and numbers to the stadium, um, we're all. Um, res- me, my family, my immediate family, there's just five of us. We're all reserve seat members. We've been that for about four years now. We're nine-year members in total. Um, the last three years, we've tried to update our seating at Amy Park to you know something a little bit further along in the wing, and we've been basically told that it's it, although you can move, there are no seats to move to. And and the last last year, or in the tradition from last season, 
for this season, they told us that if you decide that you want to upgrade and go for, say, premium A, right, or give it up altogether, they probably have about, you know, six families per group who will just snap what I've got up straight away. It, there's a demand already, mm-hmm. and, and we're not even look in figures. We're twenty three thousand, which was a, a, technically a sellout the other night, and there's some really disappointed people. Yeah. Now I don't mind from a commercial point of view. This is great for the club. It's fantastic, but you know, and and I know the club keep on saying officially that they want to see as many people as possible seeing and playing. And their option at the moment is Eddie Head Stadium. But we talked during the break, Eddie Head Stadium goes into the hands of the AFL for $1 in 2025. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, conspiracy theories about the sport, but we saw uh, when the AFL had to make a hard decision about having a, an AFL game at the, M- uh, sorry, at the Eddie Head Stadium on the same day as an A-League grand final, mm-hmm. we saw the decision they had to make. Yep. Okay, they're going to look after their own game. And, and we would also, football would also do the same thing. So that is your option in 10 years' time. Okay? It's worth thinking about that. It is actually worth thinking about that. Hey, to the break, uh, I've heard something about Melbourne victory. A-League grand final, May the 1st. Four o'clock is the scheduled game time. A little bit he's told me that that clashes with Orthodox Easter mm. and that there are some significant figures within Melbourne Victory who are asking the FFA to postpone the start of the A-League Grand Final by two hours. Have you heard... I know it's only a small thing in the big scheme of things, but have no, you heard I haven't heard that? that at all, but you know, in this day and age, you've got to consider these things, don't you, Andy? Mm. I mean, I, look, I suppose you're looking ahead and victory, you know, uh, I don't know how long this has been on the table, but you'd think that this would have been something worth considering for a while. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, uh, these days, I think you've got to consider all these things, you know, and, uh, and I, I haven't heard anything, though. We'll get a break out of the way. I know you want to talk about Louis Garcia. We'll have a chat about that on the other side of the break. We'll hear from Brett Phillips as well with what's going on down at Melbourne Park. Still time for you to jump on the line and give Carlos Alberto Diego a call. 17 minutes to three. Carlos Alberto Diego's here. We've just been speaking tennis and Spaniards. We've got another Spaniard, a celebrated Spaniard, a Mm. wonderful player who's found his way into the A-League. Are you sold on the merits and the wisdom of the purchasing of Louis Garcia? No, I'm not. Uh, he's 37 years old. Uh, by the way, this has got nothing to do with his career for the Liverpool fans out there who are about to absolutely... <laughs> Line him up, folks. They're gonna Come be, on. They're going to be driving here. They're going to be waiting for me <laughs> outside SEN. Uh, Louis Garcia, Barcelona, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, just brilliant, brilliant play. Scored some really important goals for Liverpool. We saw, you know, he was often the difference between Liverpool and Chelsea when Chelsea was under Jose Mourinho doing so, so well. Uh, This guy was a brilliant player. 37 years old, has not played a competitive game. Now, we we won't add the the Legend Ruse game or anything like that the other day because that was just a little bit of a stroll in the park for him. But 12 months, December 2014, he last played in India. Right, so uh, this is a guy who hasn't seriously played football at a high, high level for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't played the game at all for 12 months, and he's suddenly the marquee player for Central Coast Mariners. Now, it really concerns me that that this this is that you know this is a decision that Central Coast Mariners made, especially when it, I mean they're just almost a bit of a contradiction for this club in that they are almost uh, standing up proud with the fact that they're not winning games mm. but they're playing young kids and the young kids are, actually they've got a nice little bunch of young players there that look good uh, and so you almost tolerate 
them not winning uh, for, for their de- developmental type approach, their philosophy around that. But suddenly Louis Garcia has been announced uh, as, a, you know, as their marquee player. I just don't see how we can this the league or Central Coast Mariners can get any benefit out of this. Nine four nine four two nine eleven sixteen. I'm intrigued in decisions like this and also the response from the people who watch the game, pay their money on Foxtel to have it beamed into their home, go to grounds to support the clubs that they, they barrack for. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Are you like Carlos? And you can't see the wisdom of it. Um, a lot of people say, feel free to share your views. A lot of people say these sorts of decisions are retrograde steps. This is not, it doesn't, what, what we all want to see great players, even in exhibition type events, it's nice to go to those sorts of games and watch a, a once great player do his thing. Because every now and again, you just, even though they do it at half the pace, you just see a little flash every now and again. You go, oh, I remember when he did that when he was 25. I can remember that move he used to make. But a lot of people say this is bad for the A-League. It's actually bad for the reputation of the A-League to get these blokes who clearly aren't going anywhere else when they're 40. It's a chance to fill up their boots, and this is all they've got left. Well, we've seen... I mean, we've got experience now. This is not just breaking new ground. Del Piero, you can't Mm -hmm. get a bigger name than that. Named in the uh, the top 150 players of all time mm. uh, in the FIFA uh, in the FIFA, and he would have been you know at the at the lower end of that too. Uh, this guy was one of the world's greats in the history of the game. He came to play for Sydney FC. They weren't a winning team. Uh, David Villa came mm. here. It, David Villa was hot off a World Cup. His last game before he came to Melbourne City was I was at the stadium in Spain, in, uh, in Brazil watching him play and rip us apart. This guy was up there with the great. I mean, he could have gone to the EPL, but he ended up going to the uh, New York FC. But they they sort of farmed him out. He was supposed to play ten games, played four. He didn't make a difference to that team. Yeah. He looked good now and again, no problem. I mean, what? Uh, so what are winning. they doing it for? What are they, is it just to get a few bums on seats? Is it, is it as simple as that? Yeah, but the problem is it's getting some media right now. It's getting discussion going, which is great. Uh, they'll be probably maybe a couple of thousand people at the first home game he plays. But after two and three weeks, it's, it's all forgotten. Yeah. He's just going to be one of their So what's he there for for the rest of yeah. it? He's going to help yep. them win or not? Because winning ultimately, playing great football and winning, is the thing that will get people through the gate. If you can do that with a Del Piero in a winning team, yep. well, I would have loved to have seen Del Piero play in Ange Postacoglu's Brisbane Raw side that took all before them. Imagine him playing yeah, in that, that would have been, team. Imagine that. It would have been beautiful. So yep, that's, yep. that's when a marquee player, uh, especially if, if they've spent a bit of time with the club and with the team, that's when a marquee player, I think, would be really worth watching. Got to get a break out of the way. I've got one little bit of trivia for you, and I know you're going to know the answer. I'm going <laughs> to give it to you on the side of the break. We had Peter Carstairs on right at the start of the show, Australian filmmaker who made a Doritos ad, which has got into the final three, the Crash the Super Bowl comp. If you want to know more about it, go to facebook.com forward slash SEN Afternoons. Click the link if you want to see the ad. It is an absolute cracker. And if you like the ad, which you will vote for him, we want to get him to the Super Bowl. A trivia quiz for Carlos on the other side of this. Four minutes to three.